we really do are all about building healthy relationships and healthy communities. Um, and dogs are just such great equalizers. Um, there's a lot of people that of, of different walks of society that just would not have interacted were it not for well, number our program for sure. And also, um, you know, if you see somebody with a dog and, you know, you don't particularly agree with what they have, maybe their political views or whatever, um, at least you're like, at least they have a dog, you know? Um, You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swineford. Hey everybody, Stu here with another super fun episode of Relish This. Have you considered how you can leverage your team's collective knowledge to drive donations and engagement for your organization? On today's show, my guest is Danielle Gracek, the founder of Canine Inspired Change. Her organization helps vulnerable youth create better connections with their communities through the healing power of dogs. Our conversation covered a wide range of topics. Our conversation covered a wide range of topics, including leveraging the CIC team's collective expertise training dogs to create opportunities for mission expansion, donor engagement, and growth. This show is packed with ideas on how to expand your organization's reach. Check it out. Danielle, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Stu. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining me on the show. I am just pleased to be here. I'm thrilled um, with what you're doing. I listened to some of the podcasts and they're really great. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm hoping that they're, uh, they're helpful for, for people. Right. And you are in St. Paul, is that right? St. Paul, Minneapolis. Yep. Awesome. So you run a really, really cool program called uh, Canine Inspired Change, where you have dogs help uh, kids, right, from from uh, underprivileged children, um, kind of get a, a pal kind of thing going on. Yeah, we well, we do social emotional learning with our students. And so these are, you know, our own personal dogs that have been trained to be therapy dogs specifically for the program we created. So oh, that's great. Um, so think of like instead of going into like gym class or um whatever class you would go into as a, as a child, um, you would go into canine inspired class. And usually the kids we work with have been through some sort of um, a trauma or they have a learning disability, they are underserved, or they um, have um, been socially isolated in some way. And so we're just trying to bring about, um, you know, the feeling that people have for dogs and put that into a curriculum based program. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Did, did you develop the curriculum and the training yourself or was this, did this come out of a, another program that you were involved in? Um, well, I kind of came out of, I was a professional dog trainer for many years. And during that time, 
Um, and then to back it up even further, I grew up in a family that had a lot of issues. And so I grew up with a really kind of unstable, violent and kind of trauma-laden journey, you know, as a young child. But I always loved my dog. And then as I grew up, I encountered all my own set of fun things that, you know, people of that background usually encounter, such as different addictions and relationship problems and things like that. So during that whole growing up stage, I decided I wanted to be a, a professional dog trainer. And I had always been good with dogs. I always related with dogs. They were always like my solace. And I was lucky enough to um, become one. So I was a dog trainer for many years. And then like during that time, I got sober. And then like the, the sobriety slash you know, recovering from a, a, a harsh childhood slash loving dogs all like balled into one little thing and, and became canine inspired change. Um, but there's a lot of good people around me helping me do this. Um, it was the original idea was mine, but I couldn't have done it without my, you know, a strong crew. Yeah, I uh, I I really appreciate that story. It's uh, it's crazy what we all go through and how how amazing dogs can be to to help us kind of get through those tough times. Oh, absolutely! And you know, now we have science backed data that shows you know cortisol levels um, decrease while petting a dog. People um, recover from a major surgery quicker that have a dog in the house. So we know biologically, um, with science-based facts, what happens, um, when you're dealing with this type of, um, you know, when you're working with dogs and therapy dogs. Um, so, um, what we did with our program is to take it one step further because it's really hard to get, um, a service dog, which is different than a therapy dog. You know, service dog is a dog is well-trained, zero issues, including, any health issues or allergies or anything um, trained from, you know, preferably one year, one day old. Um, And then they're placed with people that have disabilities and more and more like vets returning from um, service and they're suffering from PTSD. Um, So they do really good work. However, um, there's not a lot of them and they're really expensive. So, um, and then there's also this other category of therapy dogs that have been around for a long time where people bring their dogs to visit hospitals and hospice care, nursing homes and things like that. And where we fit is like in the middle. So we don't, you know, these are our own dogs that have been very, very, you know, well-trained um, over a period of time so that they can get the designation of a canine-inspired change therapy dog. Um but, and they don't stay with our students. However, they're not expected just to lay there and be pet. They're, they're interactive with the students because we do an agility course and we do some trick training. Um, and, and the kids actively train with the dogs, which is really empowering to a student that's been disempowered, which is basically all of our students. Um, so, right. and we do, like, we do collect outcomes and, and, and data and things too. So we're trying to compile that. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. So do um, do what what age range of kids are you working with for the most right. part? So we 
work with students from like preschool all the way up to in their 20s. Usually our students in their 20s are um, developmentally delayed um, and presenting at a younger age. Um, But um, And then we do work with um, some teenagers that are in the juvenile detention programs in Minnesota too. Um, And that's really been cool. Um, as well. So it's a, we have a base program that can be um, kind of tweaked a little bit to tailored to the outcomes and the populations that we're trying to help. Oh, that's great. Is this for, for the people that you're working with and maybe not the people individually, but they're the organizations that, that kind of introduce you to those people. Is it a fee for service type of, of situation or are you solely relying on donations? Right. There, yes, there is a fee for service. Uh, however, we do um, offer financial support, you know, whenever we can, if people don't have that. Um, so for the vast majority, our, um, our partners, our school partners or community partners um, mm-hmm. are invoiced. So yes, um, okay. they do, they do pay, but most of the time they can't pay the full fee or, um, you know, they want us for spring, fall and winter semester, but they can only afford one. So then we'll scholarship too, right. um, depending upon what we've done that year in fundraising and in grants. Okay, great. That's awesome. I, I just try to get a feel for kind of your revenue yeah. structure um, and, right. and, you know, trying to listen for, for challenges or opportunities that, uh, that you might be having that, that I could maybe help, uh, help solve for you um, with your, with your services. So the constituents typically are not necessarily, um, or the, you know, the people who, who um, choose the program to be part of the curriculum that that's usually like school, school boards or, or, Yes. Some sort of organization, a correct? A school social okay. worker, yes, a school social worker, or like Ramsey County is a county that you know we live in. So, like Ramsey County, we have contracts with them, um, and that is for uh-huh. the juvenile justice program. Um, and we have different um, contracts with St. Paul Public Schools, Minneapolis Public Schools, and then also some private, um, some private private organizations to um, like Transitions Plus, which serves. Um, students right out of high school who have um, Down's syndrome and are on, mm-hmm. on the autism spectrum. So, th- yeah. So we do have a large revenue stream that ca- that comes in through that. And because of 2020 and shutdowns and things, that went away this yeah. year. So that was right. so. If you're looking right. for a challenge, <laughs> there it is. Um, however, um, so we've done it. We're just trying to like stay going until stay afloat until we can get back in, into the schools, which hopefully will be this fall. Um, right. But we do do a summer camp. So we do have one summer camp booked and we're looking at trying to do a couple, a couple other summer camps. So those are outdoors and okay. we're optimistic about those. Um, but the, uh, two other things we did um, over this year was just, um, we started a podcast. So we have our okay. own podcast called canine inspired podcast. And, you know, I just was like, what should I do? Um, yeah, we need to keep getting content out and stay relevant. Um, and, and we just were in a good shape to start a podcast because we had somebody on our staff that 
knows about them and, and knows about the equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So we started one and that's, that's been going relatively well. And we've gotten some really great community connections through that and some donations actually through that. And then the other okay. thing we did was, um, which I really want to pick your brain about. The other thing we did was um, applied for a grant through um, the federal system um, and okay. we were awarded it to make um, some videos and the videos okay. are relative to, you know, how they basically have three outcomes. And one is like overcoming and giving tools to deal with anxiety, fostering, okay. um, fostering connection, and then building empathy through diversity. So, okay. Um, we did the videos. It was quite the undertaking there. The first one is completely done. There's only two left. Pretty, pretty close to that. Let's just say they're all done. Um, so, and now we're building a curriculum around them. And I'm like, so okay. here's the million dollar question is, how do we get these videos out to everybody that needs them and then still generate some income so we can stay running? That's a great question. Um, how <laughs> are you distributing them? How do you, do you have a plan for distribution now? Or are you just kind of, that's, that's the big the big question is how do you even start well, there? Within the grant structure itself, we had to name how, you know, we had to, we had to name the organizations. These are the people we're going to get this to immediately, no cost, no charge. Um, and okay. it had to be done before January 1st. So the videos are done. Okay. They're sent out to the people. And there are a lot of them of our, our, our school partners that we've worked with, uh, Okay. Extensively. So we wanted to get them to them anyways. Um, and, and so then after now that it's the new year, we can, we are allowed to create revenue off of them. So, okay. um, so, but you know, now there's not a barrier of like geography. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also we're doing tons of zoom sessions with schools in the area. So like we, there'd be an option for us to zoom in with some dogs. Also there's an option okay. to even train via zoom, um, some yep. dogs in the area, reach out to some local dog clubs in the area, um, and get a dog fit to like then show up and work with the kids after they watch the video and do the curriculum. Um, yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of ideas That's, around that, but I'm a big <laughs> picture person. So I like need people like you and others on my team to be like, settle down, let's figure this out. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about those a little bit bit more. How okay. how long are how long is each video approximately? Right. Each video was only only ten minutes long. However, we have built okay. into them like teacher pauses or parent pauses to like pause the video now and then now you'll do this. Um, okay. And so one of the first things that we look at is if you've created an asset like this, where are there potential opportunities to, um, to take it and, and first of all, syndicate it so that it goes out into different channels. And second yeah. of all, how can you, how can you clip it? How can you take a large asset and make it into multiple smaller assets that then can be okay. shared to either drive interest or to be sold as a series or something of that nature. And and certainly at 10 minutes, you're not really pushing that, you know, this is, this is kind of 
long enough to to really maybe dig into that but because you know what you might be able to do is, is sell the entire package as a series um right. or provide that as a as an informational um opportunity um the other thing that we have really seen particularly with um with 2020 and and how the pandemic all rolled out and and everybody went went to complete virtual is if there is a single opportunity that has come out of this, it's this ability for very location-based nonprofits and other organizations to scale, um, to be able to cover a, a wide, wide territory um, where before right. you were very in-person and you had to show up, you know, you had to have relationships with schools to show up and, and to, yep. and to, to uh, teach your curriculum. Now you can, you can do that. You know, you could before, but people have really embraced this idea of remote learning. And so those sure. would be two things that, you know, or two or three things there that I think that I would start to start to explore. And, um, are you recording your, your zoom sessions as well? Are, are they repurposable in any, um, any capacity? That's tough because that we work with minors and also, yep. and most of them are vulnerable minors. So mm -hmm. no, okay. however, I'm doing a lot of zoom dog training. So we just okay. did a zoom prep, um, like a prep for therapy dog class. So people are like, well, my dog's not quite ready for a therapy dog. Um, yeah. but we just class and that went over gangbusters and there's another one coming and then we'll do another therapy dog class um on zoom and i've been doing some one-on-one -on -one trainings too on zoom and they're just going over gangbusters that we're getting such great results because i have people then just take little videos and send them back to me if they're having issues um so yeah. however with one caveat is that we will then once our all of our um zoom students um as soon as the things open up, they'll have to come in and do a uh, live uh, evaluation. Like but a certification, thinking, right. Yeah. But I'm thinking like, what if somebody in your area hears this and was like, well, I have a dog that would be great. Like I would gladly jump on a car or a plane if we can get a dog that if you want to use our curriculum and then do a bunch of Zoom sessions and then go there. Um, and once right. the dog is you know, practicing and ready to go. And and then certify that dog for that particular school or organization. Yeah, that is actually a really great segue because one of the first things I wrote down was a question about the certification. And if that is something that is is very specific to your area, or if that's something that you could brand and and this becomes a right. um a program that you then are able to teach, like you said, you know, you could do this virtually and then, and then fly out to do the final, final check. Um, you know, potentially you could scale this a variety of different ways, but have you, have you developed or thought about developing that CIC certification piece? We do, we have it. Yeah. We, we okay. do have a CIC certification. And the reason why is because we, there's, there's two main therapy dog organizations and they're wonderful, but they're very geared, like I said, to hospital visits and just a mm -hmm. very calm visit. And with, with our dogs, we want them to, to go through a tunnel and over a jump and they're very small, doable ones. Um, right. And 
We want them to interact with students. So we really focus on how do you guide your dog in an interaction with a student and how can your dog, is your dog, um, uh, does your dog like it? Do they like to work with other right. people? And, and here's some things that happen and, and here's how you can react. And so it, it's right. very specific. So that we did a, a couple of years ago, I just thought we have to develop our own, our own evaluation and our own therapy dog badges because it just doesn't quite, we're not quite doing what traditional therapy dogs are. So yeah, we do have it. Right. Have right. Okay. And the, so I looked on your site and there was a, um, it was like a $150 class fee. Is yep. that, is that part of that yes. certification? And is that yeah. the, is that the entirety of the, of, of the investment that someone would need to make to get CIC certified aside from time and having a, a dog that's not like mine, who's actually well-behaved? <laughs> By the way, so I'm going to answer that in a second, but I just want to tell you that oftentimes when the dogs, and I'm using like air quotes right now, like misbehaves. And what I mean by misbehave is if the dog is genuine, like generally likes people and generally likes mm-hmm. kids and it's tolerant and, you know, a friendly, pretty happy, good, lucky dog. However, sometimes they'll bark occasionally, or maybe they jump up or they're not, you know, wanting to sit still. These things, um, these behaviors that most dogs display at some point or another are super great teaching tools within our program. Cause we'll just say like, oh, cool. like, like my dog is Sharpie and I'll be like, Sharpie's having a hard time settling down right now. Can you guys tell him? I'll be like, yeah, he's, he's keeps getting up. I'll be like, yeah, what, what, what do you think we could do to help him? Or have you ever felt like that? Cause I sure felt like that before. And so then we, we go into like, we call this four deep dog breaths where we do like deep breathing with the students and then give them tools to, to understand in real time how to help a dog uh-huh. or, and then we translate it to the, to the self. So anyway, sure. sure. people can just then, then think they, they think, then think they can. Of course we can have dogs that are aggressive, um, you know, that, right. that are, are extremely um, fear, fearful of noises and things, mm-hmm. you know, but. Okay. Well, I have one very strong-willed Chihuahua, and then one very wonderful Shiloh is Squintly, and she's she's uh, very very calm and um, and well mannered, and, and Mikey is is a lot less so. So, <laughs> Mikey, what, what did you say the other one's name is? Her name is Javelina. She's a, a Mexican oh, hairless. Got it. Oh, cute! Oh my goodness! Yeah. So you get it. You're one of us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so, t- so tell me about that. That, yeah, it sounds to me like that certification piece would be something that that you have some of the assets available. Um, right. You can share some of the training, or you can leverage some of that training to get people to sign on for remote training. Um, right. So that to me sounds like a real real opportunity. Yes. Um, and, but then also we want some, we want like, let's say somebody in your area in Colorado wanted to do our training. Well, then we would need to have something for them to do in that area, you know? Um, exactly. So that, well, then the videos can come in and if we can get, and oftentimes the barrier or the entry point is the person that's interested in doing the work with their dogs, because those of us that love dogs, like we love our dogs. And then we see our dogs helping people that have had a really hard time and it just opens your heart 10 times more. So it, it's, it's 
feels it's feel good work and it's an opportunity for connection and volunteerism on multiple points. But so oftentimes the person that's like, Hey, I want to do this with my dog. Like they have a grandchild or a cousin or somebody at a certain school and then they make an introduction and um, then we can send them videos and, you know, do a lot of, you know, zoom or, or, or send over our curriculum and things like that. Um, and that usually starts the conversation. Yeah. So I think, so going back to the video piece, I think that, that looking at the bulk of the video that you have available. So this is everything from the, the, the three, um, specific videos about anxiety and connection and empathy that you've created, as well as looking at some of the materials that you have through the virtual dog training stuff, um, the Zoom uh, training. I think that that trying to look at that as a bulk of, of assets and figure out ways to leverage those materials to, um, you know, to develop a a, a series or a, a, you know, an online curriculum that people right. can then get bought into. So, so, you know, that kind of asset analysis would be the first step that I, I think I would recommend okay. you know, looking at and, and look at it from the eyes of, of how can I, how can I take this and maybe, maybe chop it up into something that's really interesting. That's a 30 second to a minute long clip that gets somebody's attention. So oh, essentially, yeah. Essentially, you know, trying to use it as feeder material for something bigger. Okay. So, um, so that asset analysis piece would be first. And then you have what I would consider to be a not uncommon kind of cart horse challenge. And by that, I mean, there are two different kind of audience groups. So one are, are people who have dogs and want to participate in this type of a program from that perspective. And two are organizations and schools and, um, and, uh, you know, uh, juvenile detention facilities and places like that, that have a need for, um, this type of, of service to be brought in to their systems. Okay. And what's a challenge is that, is that a lot of times you, you, both of those two have to be kind of nurtured at the same time in order to, in order to get the other one going. So it's like, if you don't right. have the the need over here, then you don't have the need to fulfill over here. Um, however, I think that you can probably start really working on the, the dog end of that. So people who have a desire for their dogs to be part of a, a program like this, and they want to participate in this type of a thing. And mm -hmm you can probably get in front of those people fairly effectively through, um, through social media. So looking mm -hmm. for ways yeah. to promote, um, uh, you know, promote Instagram posts or, or Facebook would probably be another great, uh, place to start exploring there where essentially you're getting engaged with and building and nurturing relationships with these people, uh, you know, across the nation or across the world in theory, who have, uh, who are dog lovers, who understand the benefits that dogs bring to the table and are, are really interested in, um, in having their dog be part of this kind of a, of a, a program. Right. So I think that that one is, is a little bit easier to get in front of in some ways. Now, once you start to get some momentum there in particularly in specific areas, 
then what you can do is reach out to um, to organizations that you know are are a good fit for your program in those areas and say, hey, we have a group of people going through our training. Um, is this something that you would be interested in? And, and if so, can we start that conversation? And yeah. from there, being able to get materials again to to show them what the program looks like and how it works. So I think that those three videos that you got the grants to produce are probably, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't seen them, but those are probably pretty good resources there to try and entice those groups into, um, into that piece of the program. And so at that point you have each of these sides kind of pulling at, uh, at this desired intersection and, um, and, and you're kind of off to the races. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm copiously taking notes here. So yeah. Great. So you would say like kind of how just going back, we kind of talked about getting a, like a clip together um, and maybe mm-hmm. a clip could be a of a video. Um, and then um, one of us talking about the training classes and just kind of explaining you know, the explanation actually of what we do, because it, it is, it is a bit unique and takes a little bit of a, an explanation. Yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, I think what I would do is look, look at your existing assets. So come at it from where, what are my existing assets? And we have these three videos about anxiety connection and, and empathy. We have potentially some, some videos around training that you could, that you could share. Um, I know actually at the very start of the, of the pandemic last year, we, um, we did a virtual training with, with Mikey actually here with a a local, um, a local trainer. It was the first time he'd done it. So it was a little bit of an, of a, of an experiment for him. Um, but, uh, but it, but it does work. I mean, we, we really did make a lot of progress. And so, so, what I would try to do is get um, get those assets together and just kind of think about how they could p- potentially be used to entice people to take a, a different or a new type of an action. So okay. think about the training videos in context of how can I leverage this clip or this this moment within a training video to demonstrate what a wonderful thing it is to have your dog be part of this CIC program. And that mm-hmm. essentially becomes this hook that people are like, well, okay, I'm definitely interested in in uh in online training. And I think I actually am interested in in joining the CIC program as well. And so it just becomes this this opportunity for you to leverage yeah. all those little things to to create either, you know, even if it's like a three-step series on, you know, on how to how to get a dog who doesn't like to to come to to be better about that, and just put together yeah. a little series and say, hey, this is part of the CIC program. And at the end of that series, you can you can actually you know pitch the the CIC program. Um, oh, does that okay, does that resonate? Yeah, yeah, totally. We just did a podcast with dog training questions and answers, and that could be easily turned into yeah. some sort of like an Instagram video, maybe or Facebook video, and then with a with a um, you know, this is how you can join one of our classes or something. 
Yeah, exactly. So just thinking about at the end of all of these little clips, what that next step might be. Is it more training just for people who want to have better behaved dogs? Is it is it more training for people who want to potentially have a you know a, a CIC service dog? Um, is it is it more information about how CIC works within the the programs so that you, you know, how, how you actually are helping kids, um, live, live better, less anxious, you know, more fulfilled lives. And, and just how can you escalate the engagement through, um, you know, through these programs? Yeah. No, this is awesome. I really appreciate it. This makes a ton of sense. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and so, so the the fact that you have a podcast too, there might be audio that you've already recorded. So thinking thinking back about your podcast, if there are sections of your podcast that are very specific that you could then go shoot video to support, now you've yeah. already done your VO. Um, you yeah. just go into the backyard or into the gym or wherever yeah. wherever you guys are training these days. I'm sure it's chilly up in St. Paul. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, wherever you go to to do the training, just thinking about this VO, this this voiceover that you already have in the can, and how can you how can you reuse that material to either become kind of this this. Uh, opportunity to attract people or to convert people. So is it something that you can actually exchange for someone's email address? Is it of, of big enough value that you can say, Hey, we have this great video on X, Y, or Z come to our site and and check it out. And when they get to the site, you have a, a landing page that says, you know, this is what the video is about. This is why you're here. Give us your email address and, um, and maybe answer a couple of other questions that would be valuable for you guys to know. And we'll, uh, we'll send you the link to the video or potentially you can then escalate even further with, you know, here's a, here's a series of five videos that are part of the CIC curricula. Um, you know, we'll share those with you for, for a donation of $15. And, and at that point you're, you're really leveraging a couple of, of, interesting, um, psychological components of, of human nature. And one is this desire to help. So you're, you have the donation piece coupled with this desire to learn more. And, and if you package that in a, in a price that's, that seems reasonable and affordable, and I would say, you know, uh, you know, a $15, if I, you know, if I could, if I could pay 15 bucks for some step-by-step things that I could come back to and, and they would achieve a result, um, that, that I'm seeking to, to achieve, I think that that's a a sound investment. Um, and particularly if that's, if that's couched in this donation thing, people will be even more apt to, uh, to jump on that bandwagon. Okay. Yeah. This is wonderful. Yeah, I really appreciate um, the guidance. You're, what you're doing is really cool. Oh, my pleasure. It's it's really fun to be able to to kind of think about and to have these little case studies to be able to think about and, and help people out and and um, figure out how to how to navigate all of this because you know that's the other thing to consider is that 
I think we all have a tendency to believe that what we know may not necessarily be valuable because it, to us, it might be easy. So for you, right. training a dog is something that's pretty straightforward, probably. But for me, as a person who doesn't do that all day, every day, and, and um, you know, just just thinking about, and that that's where this idea of, of attraction comes into play. And so in the attra- attract phase, what we really like to do is consider who your audiences are and what what problems or challenges they're facing that okay. that they're looking for solutions for and if you can then provide them some guidance that is a you know a value exchange or even if it's just give me a, a moment of your time and I'll give you something of value um, mm-hmm. that is kind of the that's the the spark of a relationship. Um, you know, all relationships really are, um, well, not all, but, (laughs) but the, the spark of a relationship is essentially a value exchange and it's, and it's, and it's that those interactions over time that create a, a stronger and stronger bond. And so if, if someone has hit your website and you just say, Hey, donate now. And you don't give them any information about, you know, what problems you solve or, or how you help people out or how you, how you help animals out or, you know, any of that stuff. And you just say, Hey, give me some money. You haven't right. created an, an exchange there and you haven't created a, any opportunity to build a relationship. And so by right. just putting some information out there and, and perhaps even giving them, you know, a quick video on, on, uh, you know, techniques to get your dog to sit. Um, those, you know, that's kind of your audience and whether or not they're exactly your audience, um, may not actually matter completely at this phase because they, they can either be transitioned into your audience or they might know somebody who it's like, well, this program would be perfect for my school, or this would be great for this organization that I'm, uh, that I'm involved with, or, you know what? my buddy Jim was talking to me just the other day about what a great dog he has and how he'd like to be able to, to get, to get his dog into a program. And so all of a sudden you've, you've established that, that you're a trusted resource. You've established that you're willing to share and to give and, and people like to like to be reciprocal in those, in those kinds of scenarios. Right. No, this is great. Wow, I really am like you should see my notes. It's like a beautiful mind over here. I can't wait to listen. To it. <laughs> awesome. Have yeah, my whole team listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll gladly share it with you as soon as we get it edited, and and then once it uh, once it airs, obviously we can share it with with everybody else. Um, so, so I think you know those are really kind of the first steps that I would take in terms of 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 trying to trying to expand that reach and and scale Um, because, you know, like you said, you really do have a, have a real opportunity. And and we were all thrown in the deep end of this virtual world, um, you know, back in, in March last year. Um, And, you know, the net result is that, is that people have gotten used to that and have gotten, you know, pretty good at it. Um, You know, we still have problems with being on mute and talking, but, uh, but, you know, for the most part, people have, have really wrapped their arms around, you know, there's a lot more that we can do in a virtual world than, than perhaps we thought, um, or, or right. remotely. And so, um, people are, are more 
vastly more willing to embrace that idea now than they were perhaps this time last year. Right. Yeah. And, and so like how I kind of see this as well is we, we can get the information on how to do this. Um, Cause we've tried, we've tested it. We've, we have written it down. We have, we, we've figured out a way to put a curriculum together that is really effective. However, mm-hmm. um, get that to whoever um is is interested however um we we need we don't always need a live dog but to have a live dog there is you know it kind of up jumps the boogie if you know what i mean so oh for sure i think that the just the average home with a dog in it is um is some is like you said our audience and then from there you know, if our program resonates with them, um, oftentimes they can lead us to, you know, uh, an organization that might benefit from what we do. Yeah. And so I know that your, your mission isn't necessarily just to, just to train dogs and just to, to create a world with, with better dogs. However, a world with better dogs can feed into this program in a variety of different ways. And right. so that's where I think your expertise and your team's expertise as, as actual dog trainers and, and starting to leverage a little bit of that information out in, into the, the public sphere becomes potentially a really strong feeder for the program and, and for both mm-hmm. sides of that program, like I, like I mentioned earlier. And so that's something that I, I think I would consider and just allow those, um, you know, those trainings to become, um, you know, kind of pre-commercials for, for the program itself. Um, right. and particularly if you, if you have, so here's the other thing that, that I think people have potentially discounted over, over the last year or so is, you know, most of us are not commuting now. And so I think the average commute is usually 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that means that most people have an extra hour every day to do something. And, and so for you, if that, if that's true, um, you know, just taking that hour and, and putting material out there that people can, can get and even giving them the choice to donate or not. Um, you know, if, if that's all you guys did was record training videos and put those out there on YouTube and put those out there on your site. And just at the end of those, just say, Hey, if this was helpful to you, we'd love for you to do, to do a couple things. One, we would love to see if you can donate to our cause so that we can help more people. We'd love for you to, um, share this with friends and we'd love for you to share your experience with this with us so that now you're building up an, uh, a, a kind of a, a repository of testimonials that then become right. social proof that you can use to get more people into the system. And so, so leveraging that knowledge again and, and just taking that and, and spreading it and, and, and allowing that to be that, that feeder for the program, I think is, is another, um, interesting idea to uh to explore it is because we really do are all about building healthy relationships and healthy communities um and dogs are just such great equalizers um there's a lot of people that 
of, of different walks of society that just would not have interacted were it not for well, number our program for sure. And also, um, you know, if you see somebody with a dog and, you know, you don't particularly agree with what they have, maybe their political views or whatever, um, at least you're like, at least they have a dog, you know? Um, yeah. It, it, it brings about glad tidings towards, I, uh, you know, us dog lovers in the world, which, you know, there's tons of us. Um, so, yeah. you know, that is the basis of like, you know, we exist to be a force for good in the world. We just happen to do it um, through through dogs. But right. the grand, right. the larger mission is just, you know, hey, we can, we we're all we're all here together, and let's just help each other out and create a little more kindness and equanimity. And then you know, here's some tools too, because it doesn't always right. feel, you know, life isn't. You do sometimes feel out of sorts and anxious and fearful. That's just part of being a human being. So we're not trying to, you know, sugarcoat any of that. But we do have some great right. tools that we have developed and um and and then the dogs just really anchor the space for everybody, you know. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. So the other thing that I, I think I would encourage you to to look into is think about all of the all of the stakeholders that you have in your program. So everybody from the volunteers to the donors, to the, um, the beneficiaries, for example. So, you, you know, you've mentioned schools and you've mentioned, um, you know, juvenile detention centers and places like that. And so those, if you, if you start to consider who those people are and narrow down, which of those you get the, the most, traction out of, for example, for, for perhaps volunteers, um, or donors or who you've served most effectively in terms of, of the beneficiaries, that'll allow you to start to look for those sit for similar types of people in different areas. And so right now you've, you've been focused on, on Minneapolis, St. Paul, but right. you know, these same types of people exist in Denver and in San Francisco and, you know, all right. over. But we call this the kind of the 80-20 exercise usually, but it doesn't have to be that that focus necessarily. But essentially, if you can just take and, and create a list and then think about the commonalities among that list, the what, what makes these people tick, where do they go for information, um, where might you be able to to contact them most effectively, Um and, and that then becomes uh, the way to make sure that your efforts aren't um, too scattershot in terms of uh, of, of your focus. Um, what are some of the other challenges are you are you experiencing? Have uh, how have donations been this year? Well, yeah. So in Minnesota, we have um, something called Give to the Max Day, and all the organizations and nonprofits in Minnesota participate. It's a big, huge um, uh, day of giving. And so um, this year was our largest uh, donations to date. Oh, that's awesome. And is that part of like giving, giving Tuesday? It's not part of giving Tuesday. No, it's just one day of year um, in, in Minnesota. It's like the, I think it's the second Thursday of every, um, uh, November. Um, okay, cool. 
So, but yeah, so we, you know, do a social media campaign and we've done some live parties at like brew pubs and things before. Um, and, and, you know, we set a goal every year and we, every year we get pretty close to it. Um, and this year we set a goal of $15,000 because we lost roughly $30,000 in programming. And I just, our, our, our largest, um, uh, give to the max day prior to that had just been around like $10,000. So I didn't want to Ask, you know, set a goal of thirty thousand dollars and just like doubt sure. the hopes of like my team and be or or just like give them too much to work on. And so I said, you know, this is where the fifteen thousand um, dollars comes from. It's half of what we lost. Um, and right, and I you know gave the prep talk to the team. Like, listen, if we don't make it, that's fine. But if we don't strive for it, we don't. You know, we certainly won't make it either. So um, we went into give to the max day, nothing live, just all social media. Um, I think the podcast helped a lot. But yeah, we made our goal, which was just so phenomenal for us. So we're very. Oh, small that's fantastic. Us. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I would say in. So we have Colorado Gives Day, which is you know similar sort of idea. Um, yeah. It is the, I think it is the Tuesday after, after Giving Tuesday, maybe I, mean, I, I can't remember, but the same same time of year. So one of the things that we've encouraged our partners to consider is that there are a couple ways to kind of extend um, and. In, and advance your opportunity to to get donations. And one is to allow or even encourage people to donate less but more frequently. So trying to get somebody on a recurring right. uh, donation of a small amount um, can actually end up being vastly more money than you would have collected if you'd asked them for a one-time donation. Right. So really yeah. leveraging that power. And I'm on the board of a, of a, uh, well, I'm on a couple of boards of local nonprofits, but one is called Go Farm Colorado. And one of the things that they, uh, Go Farm okay. Colorado. It's, okay. And one of the things that they noticed this year was they were having a little bit of a challenge with their, with their larger donations. So the, the, the speed and the frequency at which large donations were coming mm -hmm. in had slowed down a little bit, but they were really seeing an uptick in small donors. And so the number of donors that they had this year was, I maybe, I believe this is still the case, but at one point the number of donors had gone way up and the average yeah. donation had come way, way down, but there's real opportunity there because sure. you're doing a few things. One, you're, you're building that list and you're getting a, a huge number of people to raise their hand and say, Hey, I like this thing and I'm willing to, to support it with my monetary um, donation. Right. And so that list then becomes something that you can go back to um, over time. And then with the smaller donations um, that becomes kind of a, 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 um, a springboard for either more smaller donations or larger donations. So, so just considering the life cycle of that donor. And, and this was where kind of what we call the inspire phase comes into play and really making people aware that what they have contributed, regardless of the size really matters and really makes a difference. And 
and letting them know how much you appreciate what they've done. And, um, and even just doing that without asking for more necessarily, um, can be a really effective way to just make sure, again, it's all about that relationship. And, and a lot of times people, once they've, you know, once they've sealed the deal, they don't have a plan for that ongoing, um, interaction and and engagement. And so essentially they've put all this, they've sunk all this cost into that initial relationship building to get me to, to say, yeah, you know what? I like this program and I want to participate, but then they, they haven't put into play anything to inspire those people to do more. And a lot of times the, to do more is not necessarily even asking for more donations or more support other than just sharing their stories and, and, you know, spreading the word because these people are, are, you you know, there's, there's, like I said, there's this sunk cost and in the for-profit world, it's, it's a lot of times referred to as customer acquisition cost. And it's the same sort of approach or the same sort of idea in, in the nonprofit world. It's just maybe called the donor acquisition cost, but there's a lot of time or effort or mailers or other, you know, things that you've invested in to get people into your system. And so once they're there, um, that tends to be, the the easiest well to get water from again and so making sure that you continue to nurture that and keep those relationships really healthy can be super effective right so what would you say just and i know we're kind of going long here but what would you say are some of the top things to do that or a good well because we okay so i just i just i'm aware of this and i and i love my I mean, we're a small nonprofit, so I literally love every single person that's ever donated or been a part of it. Um, and um, that's not to say it wouldn't if we were larger, but it's when it's small, it's just you just still know everybody. Um, or sure, everybody. So we just did um, a. We've done a couple different things. One is we just, um, but the one we just did was let's do coffee on like. January 2nd. We're going to have a Zoom link. We sent it out to all of our registered therapy teams, all of our volunteers, donors. Um, we'd love to see you. We're just going to check in and say hello and see each other, each other's faces. And it was not well attended. Okay. So I'm like, hmm, that didn't go over so well. Um, so I'm just trying to think what else could I do to keep, let these people, you know, know that I, I really appreciate them. So how many, do, do you have a feel for how many donors you, how many different donors you've had engaged in your program, let's say in 2020? Yeah, it was about 80. Um, and then we have, okay. and we have, uh, on our MailChimp, we have, you know, close to 500 subscribers. So like people dip in and out, you know, with dogs, um, different dogs that are, um, have passed on or they got a new doctor, not always active mm-hmm. volunteers or, um, but, but they're people that are, have still stayed on um, to receive our newsletter. So. Okay, great. So one, one of the things I think I would encourage you to do is be extremely authentic and extremely personal with the donor base that you have. And if it's, if it's 80 people, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, it's probably worth taking the time to write, 
you know, a note to all 80 of those people, just thanking them for their support and telling them how they are, you know, how you are, how, what they have provided for you this year, um, has gone toward helping, helping people out or coaching dogs or, you know, whatever that story is that, uh, that you think would resonate most effectively. Um, and instead of leveraging MailChimp, um, mail, nothing wrong with MailChimp at all. I think automation is great and bulk email is certainly uh, something I would encourage you to, to continue to do. However, I think the more personal you can get, the, yeah. the better off you're going to be. So again, thinking about relationships and if you, um, you know, if you, if you had somebody that you really liked and they just sent you, you know, a, another email that you could tell went to everybody yeah. else, yeah. um, you know, you might, might not, that might not be such a great way to nurture that relationship. And then I would leverage the power of the dogs to kind of help, um, help seal that deal. Um, you know, dogs are so happy and friendly and excited. And I just saw, I just saw a clip of a, of a, golden retriever freaking out because he's he or she saw um saw their master or their their you know their their buddy come up and and it did this really funny like you know gallopy sort of run toward the camera and so even if you just captured that and just let that dog tell that story of how excited we are to have you as part of the part of the the program you know that would resonate i think really well with with pretty much everyone in in your in your constituency. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think just being authentic and being, yeah. and being personal would, is the, the first thing I would, I would explore there. Yeah. Great. My favorite thing, one of my friends called me the other day and said, you know what? I feel like I'm just doing the world or at least everywhere that I'm driving around in St. Paul right now, I'm being extremely therapeutic too, because her dog was sitting in the front seat of her car. It's a golden retriever. She's like, every time I stop at a stop sign, a light, people are looking over and smiling and waving at me. And it's like, yep, that'll do it. Yep. They're amazing. So, you know, just leveraging that stuff and just seeing what you have available or what you could, what you could create really quickly. Um, you know, you could send that clip out to everybody on your list, which I, I think would be, would be great. And just say, Hey, you know, we're excited to, to see you in, in, uh, 2021 or what, you know, however you frame that, that, uh, interaction. Um, but, you know, having something where, you know, where, where it is personal, um, you know, and even, you know, it might be worth looking at, at some of your, some of your either most frequent donors or your, your largest donors and just using video again, you know, it sounds like you're getting pretty good at that. Um, and just, you know, just create a video clip and, and send it to them. So and you just, per, you know, via, personally thanks them. And that would, you'd send that via email. Yeah. You might send that via email. I mean, I, I think that the handwritten notes are great. Um, and they don't come very often these days. Most people leverage leverage electronic correspondence, yeah. um, and there's nothing wrong with electronic cor- electronic correspondence. However, with with you know the written word and getting something in the mail, it takes a little bit more time. It is a little bit more personal. Yeah. It feels a little more personal, um, and 
And so it, it stands out in these days, I think. Yeah. Well, of course I did that for give to the max Dave. We hand wrote letters to like, we went over our donor list and each one of us on the team, you know, took the people that we personally knew and we, we, we hand wrote. Perfect. But I'm thinking maybe we'll do this for like Valentine's day too. That's the next kind of like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there are I think that there are opportunities year round, and so you know I encourage I encourage our nonprofit partners to to make sure that they don't wait until you know the end of the year, which is the sure. typical giving time, because you know there's a there's kind of a saying that is the this this conjunction, I guess. Nope this this cross of um, the the right message to the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm. And it, at any given time, um, you know, some percentage, and let's just make up a number, let's just say 90% of the people that you're sending a message to aren't really ready for that message. Um, right. So that means that, that you hit, you know, if you sent out a hundred, hundred emails, then 10 people said, Hey, yeah, I'm ready for this. And let's, let's do this thing. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk to that 90 that group of 90 again, because if you send out that the same message or a slightly altered message at a different time, they might be ready. Um, And so it's all about, you know, thinking about who your audience is and that, you know, it's not necessarily fixed. You know, we want to help, help you grow that, but certainly it's, it's a, it's a number that you have right now at your, at your disposal. So let's pretend that number's fixed. So now you have two variables and one is timing and the other is message. And so just starting to play with those two things and staying out in front. And I think, you know, having a podcast is a great first step to create material. I'm, I'm assuming you're doing that on a, on a fairly regular schedule, but, uh, but really getting good. Say that one more time. It comes out every Tuesday. Perfect. Yeah. So, you know, that cadence and is super powerful. And I would email your list with the, with the podcast every, every Tuesday and say, Hey, the new podcast is out. Here's a link to it. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, uh, this is really great. I so how can, kind of good info yeah, here. yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you being on the show. How, what, what's, what are your takeaways from our, from our discussion? Um, okay, let me look at my notes here because it is a ton of scripts. <laughs> uh, okay, so the first thing that I have written down is um, I need to review my assets um, and just really look at the assets and then how can I how can I get that out and get people to take a different action within these assets? Um, and then um, I have um, written down the desire to help and the desire to learn more are two traits of human psychology. So like, how could we help people um, with, with learning more, but then also then let them know here, I'm going to help you you teach your dog to sit and here's how you could help us. Um, and, And then, you know, the relationship piece, you know, the, the, the value exchange in relationship that is, eye-opening too. I've never really thought about it that way. So that was helpful to look at it that way. Um, I got a ton of good stuff down here, Stu. Um, and be extremely, awesome. personal. I'm extremely personal, which for me, be careful when you ask me to be personal. <laughs> I'm usually an open book anyway, so I, you know, I don't want to over, no. but, but no, I, that, that's no, well it's taken. good. So good. Uh, yeah. It's I got a lot good. of good well, here. 
And great. And how can people who want to learn more about, uh, about your program, how can they find you? Um, well, you could listen to the podcast, which is on all the podcasting platforms. It's canine inspired podcast. Um, you could find us also at our website, which is canine inspired change.org. And we're on awesome. And we're also on Facebook, um, canine inspired change and Instagram CIC underscore therapy dogs. Nice. I love it. I love to end uh, all of these shows with an action item. I, I love conversations. I love talking, but I also really want to inspire people to, to take some sort of action. And if you had the ability to to ask everyone who listens to this episode to do something after listening to the show, what would you ask them to do? Um, join our newsletter. Get Become part of our path. Reach out to me. Let's expand and cover the world in dog-based good vibes and connection. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm going to go uh, pet my dogs and maybe yeah. take them outside, although it's a little windy today. But um, I really appreciate you being on the show. And thanks for joining me. You're welcome. I appreciate you, Stu. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. All right, there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. And while you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you'd like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week for another great episode of Relish This.